0: This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Good
1: evening, brothers and sisters, to Christchurch, Jerusalem, where we are wrestling uh, in our Bible study with the last words of Moses, the words of Deuteronomy, um, as he prepares to Give us much encouragement, guidance, wisdom, commentary uh, on Bible, preparing the people of Israel to be the people of Israel in the land of Israel. uh, We'll acknowledge again God's presence through words of prayer. Let's pray.
2: Father, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together under your word. We pray, Lord, that you would honor us by your presence and guide us by your spirit. And that you would anoint Aaron in the things that he chooses to uh, speak about and the, the revelations that will unfold from that. Father, we bless you for your Holy Spirit. We bless you for your instruction that we can receive. And we pray that this would be a time that we will be built up to follow you and understand you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. All right, going over our conversation from last uh, last week, which was Deuteronomy 24. We got essentially through the first nine verses. Here is our uh, our background. Family stability was important and is central to the Israelite community that was about to establish itself in the land of Canaan. Sustainability of a society, both economically and politically, is dependent on the strength of the family unit and the institution of marriage. We only have to look around at today's world and humbly acknowledge that one of the reasons for our failing societies is the breakdown of the family unit. Human relationships do not always succeed, and divorce was permitted in Israel. The symbol of divorce developed into a written document. Today in Israel, this is called a get. Moses, here in verse 1, calls it a keritut, which means cutting off, and has in mind the cutting off of the matrimonial bond. While divorce was and is allowed, it is regulated. There must be cause for divorce. The plain reading of the text says that the basis for a divorce is the finding of something indecent which then lends itself to several variant interpretations. Jewish commentators wrestled with the the text long before the Gentile Christian world did. The Mishnah records the different traditions of the schools of Shammai and Hillel. Shammai took a harder stance on divorce, allowing it only if adultery could be proven, while Hillel permitted divorce even for a miscooked breakfast. While Jesus often sided with the school of Hillel in his discussions on Torah, in this case, Jesus sides with Shammai in permitting divorce only in the case of infidelity. The Dead Sea community argued strongly against divorce and cited Genesis, in which pairs of animals boarded the ark, coming to Noah as pairs of males and females. Note that this is not a command to get divorced, rather, it is permission or a failed relationship involving unfaithfulness. Note also that forgiveness and mercy must journey together with those who are suffering. Divorce too often brings with it negative stigma in our societies. We must must remember that divorce is not the unforgivable sin. We have the ability to forgive marital unfaithfulness, and we do not need permission to forgive. Instead, forgiveness is a command. Interestingly, Moses forbids a divorced couple from remarriage if one of them had remarried another person and subsequently again divorced. Why forbid such a remarriage? While God permits divorce, he also makes it permanent. A footnote in the ESV study Bible discussed the possibility that this was against the abuse of dowries. In the ancient world, and in some cultures today, women come or came with dowries, usually money, which became the property of the man. Perhaps this injunction against remarriage was to stem the abuse of remarriage to wealthy families in the hope to gain access to more dowry. This then offers protection against the exploitation of women for financial gain. The last comment by Moses on this issue of divorce and remarriage is very stern. Remarrying the same divorced woman a second time brings sin on the land. This highlights the special connection that the people of Israel have to the land of Israel and also to the connection that the earth has to the sins of men that dwell on it. Should humans continue in sinful activity, then as Leviticus 18.28 declares, the earth will vomit them out. This connection between humans and the creation should give us pause to reflect on the command to have dominion over the earth. God delights to honour the newly married and to give blessing. So new couples are restricted from active military duty. Instead, the husband is given one year to bring happiness to his wife. Why not the other way around, we might ask? There is a blessing in blessing others. Just as Jesus says, it is better to give than to receive. This attitude should be present in all our marriages and relationships. Moses then commands against profiting from the poverty of others. The poor must not be taken advantage of and their livelihoods taken. In this case, the millstone used to grind flour and make food. Only non essential items can be procured in a pledge from someone. God makes a distinction between the importance of people and the importance of things. People are more important, and the next law forbids kidnapping and selling into slavery. A story that is inherently part of the sacred history of Israel in the narrative of Joseph and his brothers. Thus, the penalty for kidnapping, reflecting the value of human life, is actually the death penalty and the ending of a human life. Our last discussion revolved around the issue of leprosy and diseases. These were diseases that the ancient world had little to no cure for. Thus, strict adherence to quarantine procedures, examinations and investigations was enforced. Moses even brings in the memory of his sister Miriam, who remained in quarantine herself outside the community until healed by the Lord. Quarantine is for the population's protection and to reduce the spread of the disease. Taking the text beyond the literal, that is the pshat, and looking at the spiritual side, the Joshua or the Remes, we discuss the nature of sinful life and how this too is contagious. Yet our communities tolerate sin on national scales. In the New Testament, we find that Paul expelled people from the community, instructing the Corinthians to expel the sinner who was sleeping with his father's wife. Excommunication is rarely done in the church today, and instead, we tolerate sin almost as something normal. This is dangerous, and we should remain diligent to recognize sin and proclaim the cure. Jesus, of uh, the Messiah of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. That was a summary of our discussion and the
2: various notes. Aaron, can I add a footnote to that? There's, yes. There's a reference that I meant to uh, refer to um, last week, but I, I just couldn't remember where it was. But anyway, it relates to the issue of a, um, a divorce woman not returning to her first husband's. Yeah. So this is Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1.
1: Jeremiah I'll, 3.
2: And I, I'll read it and then and, and just to make a short comment. Sure. like this. If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him, and becomes another man's wife will he return to her would not that land be greatly polluted you have played the whore with many lovers and would you return to me declares the lord so what jeremiah is doing is he's voicing it from the lord mm-hmm. and it, it turns out to be quite an ironic situation because it, actually the lord wants his wayward wife as in people to return to him yep uh, so it's I mean it may be worth for other folk following that up but it's it's a twist on it but clearly um, Jeremiah knows his Torah
1: yeah and I think like we were discussing there is the clear-cut law but at the same time parallel to that is forgiveness is mercy is the desire and the ability for mercy and love to overcome unfaithfulness uh, which which uh, can and and has is done however on the human scale if that's not possible then divorce is permitted forgiveness is commanded but divorce is permitted and god shows you the perfect forgiveness and the perfect uh uh, attitude when he desires uh the bride to come back and then live with him which will be a blessing both both to both of them and Mm -hmm. to the land um, I often am quite delighted the more I read the Bible, the more I find that connection between people and the earth. Uh, where, where,
0: where? And I'm thinking too, Aaron, that, that remarrying the same divorce woman the second time brings sin on the land only if she's been sexually active with another man, right? Not necessarily just... So, so, it's, so it's great if she can get back together with her original husband, right?
1: Well, remember, from the, the, the text, it would say No. Because um, one would assume, Not
0: right? From the text that Neville read, if, if she's been with another Yes,
1: woman. correct. So, so what you're finding in the prophet is the parallel theme that's on the, sitting on the other side of the literal where uh, they're saying that, that that is actually the, the highlight, the thing that you really, really, really want to do. And so mercy always triumphs over judgment. And, uh, and it's unfortunately rare in our day but it is the ideal. Okay. All right. So we will continue on from verse 10. Now, I know we read it last week, but we'll do it again. So chapter 24, verse 10. Okay. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not go into his house to collect his pledge. You shall stand outside. And the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. And if he is a poor man, you shall not sleep in his pledge. You shall restore to him the pledge as the sun sets, that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you. And it shall be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. Shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in your land, within your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers, each one shall be put to death for his own sin. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your fields and forget a sheaf in your field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Awesome. Okay, so... Anything there that jumps out at you that was different from uh last week,
3: <laughs> Aaron? I don't yes, remember sir. if we talked about this uh last week or not, but I just think of the sin of Achan in Joshua with verse 16 where fathers not to be put to death because of children, children because they're fathers, yeah, and yes. In Joshua six or seven, you have um, Achan's children dying for the sin of Achan, which at least what? leads to a possibility that a Joshua and them didn't really know the law. But given that God, <laughs> paid, yeah. not likely.
1: Um, so,
3: what do you think is going on there?
1: Okay, um, that's a good question. Um, anybody want to have a go at answering that at this at right now?
2: I just like to stack up another issue with it, okay. which is, is along the same lines, which is the, uh, the strange fire offered by the sons of Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. where the whole family has just, just disappeared in a hole in the ground. <laughs> Levit- yeah. Leviticus 10.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me write that one down. Leviticus 10, and that's the uh, false fire. Okay. All right. Interesting. So we have ourselves a conundrum. And don't we love it when we have a conundrum? We don't run away from it. We we jump into it. So we have a text that says that everyone dies for their own personal sins. Yet we also have texts where uh, one person commits a sin, and yet whole families seem to be uh, thrown in in the judgment. Okay, and that includes uh, by God. So... What do you think's going on, brothers and sisters? Because I've, yes. I've actually studied yeah. this very <laughs> we, recently with some rabbis, so I know I know what they think. Okay, go for it.
4: Yes, Aaron. Let me just um, do a contribution there. We did talk about this yes um, last yeah, last week, um, especially when we tried to. Um, view this um following text in Exodus 34, verse six to seven, where it talks about the Lord that visits the iniquity of the father upon the children up to the 10th and the fourth generation. And um yeah, from the way Aaron presents it now, also you you look at it from um Achan's point of view and um, him committing the sin, but his 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 family had to suffer for it, his children had to suffer for it. Um, I believe there is there, there is um just like blessing is um transferable, so also um curses, you know, that people kind of get is it's it's usually transferable. And um if you look at the text where God talks about um, the judgment that goes from the third to the fourth generation, but he says he has pardon for thousands of generations that love him. In other words, when people return to him then that um, cost that transfers from generation to generation will no longer continue because they have already charted a new path for themselves and for their family. And so blessings will begin to flow. Um, Today, every one of us claim the blessing of Abraham. We say, Abraham's blessings, I am. And um, not because we did what Abraham did, but we are claiming the blessing. And so in that same wise, um, it will be very, very... um, Very selfish for us not to try, not to see whatever our parents have done as part of our responsibility to deal with in some way. Uh, That's the way I see it. Okay,
1: cool. Excellent. Let me write that down as well. Okay.
2: All right. So, maybe add to that um, number 16, Korah's rebellion. Maybe that's more appropriate than the Leviticus 10 one, number 16.
1: Okay. Where Korah has a rebellion and his family go. Okay. So starting with the sin of Achan, because we just studied that recently in my little Bible study with uh, some rabbis. And we were discussing this, that um, Achan takes some property and yet uh, the whole this whole family gets uh, wiped out. Uh, what's going on? And there's actually, uh, in the Hebrew, it's in plural. When they ask the Lord... What's going on? Then the response is they have taken uh, property, not he has taken. And so there's a they they look at the comment and they say, well, who are the they? The text only number, names one guy. Well, who are the they? And the obvious answer is his family. Correct. And so what they do is they say he he was uh, he was the guy that physically did it, but. Everybody knew, they helped hide the goods, they didn't tell anybody else, they were all complicit, they were all involved. It wasn't this giant secret where somebody walked out and goes, what's dad doing? Um, it was, uh, and so what they do is they look at the the, the texts and they dis- discover that some of these passages um, in Hebrew, it'll, it'll turn into a masculine, feminine, and, and or plural, and uh, verb or adjective or something, and then they work out who are the they, who was the his, who was the them and um, uh, and so while I haven't looked at the Hebrew on Numbers sixteen or in Leviticus ten, I wouldn't mind betting if we discover that there's a plural there somewhere which then will suggest that it wasn't just uh, an individual okay, and the best of so that would be the best way to check. And and that's that's actually what we should do.
3: Thank you. That's very
2: helpful.
1: Okay. All right. So going back now to verse 10 and seeing uh, the literal meaning and then seeing if we can apply that to our communities today. All right. So we're looking at uh, people taking loans. And what have we already learned about loaning to the community or within the community? No interest. No interest. So um, we're not...
2: Very t- interesting, but you don't charge interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. But yeah. yeah, you don't take interest, but there is, this, there is this thing you can do for pledges and you can take various pieces of property. Interestingly, um, what was one of the pledges in Genesis which uh, backfired on one of our heroes? And... and style. Style. Yes, Stop. Judah Protest and Ma, Okay, yeah, yeah, where Judah. Uh, Judah enters the line of the Messiah, but not because he chose himself to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a trick, and um, it's always interesting how God works that way, as they say, mm-hmm. He works in very mysterious ways. Um, but yes, so there was the this. This notion already, we had a law, we can't take interest from these people. But when we're giving money or borrowing things to people, you take something as a pledge, uh, the guarantor, the, the thing. And um, uh, with this interesting law, okay, we, we know we're going to take something. But when you when you take, make your neighbor uh, a loan, don't go into his house. Now, Why would you not do such a thing? Stand outside and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. And if he's poor, you won't even sleep in it. So here we're, it, it even dis- dis- discusses what it is. It's a simple cloak. Okay? You shall restore it to him as the sun sets, so that he can sleep in his own cloak. And then he's going to bless you. So, uh, and it will be righteousness for you before the Lord.
2: I like, I like that situation because basically what the assumption is that this person is asking for a loan because all he's got left is what he's standing up in.
1: Yeah. And, um, and so what, what, what is part of the – let's go through. We know what it literally says, but what would be the intention that, uh, that Moses is saying, and therefore also God to his community? What do you think? Look at the intention uh, of, of uh, this law.
2: Well, I think not going into his house and choosing what the pledge is going to be avoids humiliating the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it respects, even though these are people presumably with have fallen on hard times and maybe have almost have next to nothing, but you still don't humiliate them by going into their house and
1: yeah. choosing
2: something. Yeah.
1: There's definitely I'm, a sense of man's dignity because he is made in the image of God and he might be poor and you're not going to lord it over him. Take that into the New Testament and what are some of the things we are not allowed to do for poor people? Show favoritism to the rich. Put all the rich in the highest best places, okay? You know, we're, we're not allowed to do that kind of stuff. Every man has dignity because they are made by God, poor, rich, male, female, slave free, and we have to treat them in that way. And the, the that intention is already here in the start of uh, in the in the Torah.
2: And um, I like the way that Jesus goes out of his way to honour the gift of the poor. You know, yep. the two the two mites of the widow. Indeed. You know, putting them into this collection box in the temple, which had great big brass funnels. So they made an awful lot of noise when people put their loose change in. She put two little coins in that made almost no noise at all. But what Jesus reaction told you that that rang bells in heaven. This was an event worth commenting for, for the whole of the nations to learn about.
1: Yeah. And he, and he he brought it to people's attention, Mm. which I think is great because she didn't do it for attention. She didn't. She did it because it's what she could do. And, uh, uh, yeah, Sharon, I'll just put the notes in. Sorry. How was that? Okay, so we have to have dignity. And uh, the poor man, he's poor and he doesn't, and he needs to be able to uh, keep warm, dry, safe for as long as possible. So the job of the community is to take care of him. That is, give him a loan get him started in some sort of livelihood so that he will actually have not only just human dignity, but also the honour and dignity of being able to work. And Paul says something very similar in in one of his epistles where he commands um, the poor to get a job. You know, he says, don't just sit around and, and, and get charity from the church. No, get a job. Why? So that you have something to share. Right. That was that was the caveat. It's like get go work so that you can receive and receive your daily wage, which we will not withhold. You will get paid for your hard labor, and then you can take your money, spend it as you like. But you will honor the Lord, and you will bless others. And if a society continued to do that, that would be a uh, um, a good society. And Moses is trying to set it up. One wonders if they've been doing this out in the desert. Um, one wonders how they would be able to do such a thing in the desert, but I mean, uh, I'm sure they they figured out how to make money out there too. Um, the yes, the man,
4: Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons why I think that um, they, they, it's not proper for someone to go into the house of the borrower to get those things out is so that he doesn't go and take something that is of um, higher quality than what the loan is is getting. You know, it goes inside the house and it picks up um, something that is worth um, two thousand yeah. dollars, whereas he's just going for a loan for a thousand dollars. So it's going to be on the basis of um, allowing the borrower to volunteer what he can pledge. Is the the the, the borrower volunteer what he can pledge, and the the one that is giving the loan will just have to accept it, believing that yes, he is doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so dignity, responsibility, personal responsibility, fairness, equity, there's a lot of things uh, that go in there. And we also remember um, no interest, but there's blessing involved. Um, and, you know, everything in Judaism revolves around a blessing. Yes, there's a blessing for everything. And uh, here, the guy, you give back uh, the pledge as the sun sets and um, and so that he can bless you. And we often in our world today, we take very lightly um, blessings because we've forgotten the power of them. God blesses, and when if God blessed you, you would say that was very powerful, I'm sure. We would all say we would desire the blessing of God. And, uh, and then... Humans can bless the Lord, which is a phenomenal thought, even in of itself, that we would bless the Lord. and, and that is how Jewish prayers start, do they not? Bar Blessed are you, the Lord our God, King of bless, always blessing the, the Creator. How could the creation possibly do such a thing? Well, we can, because blessings are powerful. And God has even instructed. You know, humans, you can bless each other. Abraham, you are going to be a blessing to others. Israel, you'll be a blessing to your neighbours. Bless Aaron, bless the children of Israel in this way. And and so blessings are very powerful. You see all the patriarchs gather their children and give a blessing. People desire and an earnestly desire for their parents' blessing. Please give me a blessing, Dad. Whereas today's world, we wouldn't say that. We would probably one up and say, Dad, please give me the car keys, right? Um, but that. In the ancient world, no, it was, it was the blessing. And so this is actually quite powerful, so that he will bless you. Okay, he's going to say some words. Oh, what are a few words? In today's culture, we don't value words anymore. Our yeses aren't yeses. Our no's are not no's, No one takes a pledge. But in the Bible, yes, you do. And uh, this is a very powerful thing. He will bless you. And the action of both him blessing you and your action of giving back the pledge uh, will, is, a, is righteousness, is before the Lord your God. So God is, A, paying attention, and, uh, and if God's paying attention, you most definitely want to do rightly, I am sure. We often only want to sin when we think God is not looking. Isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, when we convince ourselves that he is not looking. but um, it shall be righteousness. So there's actually an action there that uh, pleases the Lord, involves a blessing, and uh, brings righteousness and and is done before God. So those are actually positive things. They're very powerful things. There's things we don't follow probably anymore, which is a a shame. Um, But we should be once again in the action of loving our neighbour, our poor neighbour, by helping him um, with whatever we can, uh, yes, we can take a guarantee for a loan. Of course, we can. But the, the 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 desire is give it back, you know, restore. Let's get our brothers and sisters working hard. Let's make sure that they're happy and successful too. Uh, instead, m- m- much of our society is rather self-obsessed, and we're, we're rather self-obsessed, you know, just with our own little little world and. and and not sharing. This really does um, t- do our best to, to, to answer the question, am I my brother's keeper? Answer is yes. I really need to notice the, the, the community around me, uh, including the poor, and uh, they have dignity. I will treat them with dignity. And uh, knowing that uh, wherever two or three are gathered, and it's got nothing to do with how rich you are, it's got the fact on numbers here, that the Lord is present. And uh, if the Lord is present, then how should we behave before the Lord but righteously? Okay. And uh, continuing with that theme, we will not oppress workers right? Okay. We will actually treat them in the way that they're supposed to be treated. You have workers, you have masters, you have owners of businesses and people who work for the owners of the businesses. You have the guys who own the field and the farmers who are hired to, to do it. We we understand this and there should be no shame in it uh, and there should be no um, desire to, to, to change that, okay, where we don't make you know, the sort of you know, socialist idea, well, there will be no owners and there will be no workers, we'll all just be the same. Well, that's not quite the way it should work either. You, but you certainly won't oppress people. You don't oppress the hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners. That's an interesting little uh, addition there. Now, um, uh, these sojourners who are in the land and within your towns, that's an interesting addition. Now, I'll explain why it is for me there. But is there, is there a, a, does that resonate with anybody here that Moses is making sure that both one of your brothers, i.e. Jewish, and uh, a Gentile are of equal weight before the Torah? You will not oppress them. Does that resonate with any other command or uh, exegesis of any other command I'll throw out the verse. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: and what does that become?
4: That becomes the the, the, the second um, the second most important commandment It does, and it was yeah. twisted.
1: In the late second temple period, yeah. you shall uh, love your Jewish neighbor. Right. Yep, And
2: yet
1: yeah, and that whole, you know, that, that parable of the Samaritan, you know, yeah. that goes back to the way it's supposed to be. And it's interesting that Moses puts this in here. You know, I don't care if this is one of your Jewish brothers or one of your non-Jewish brothers. If the guy is just walking through the land, and, uh, but you will not oppress him. Before the Torah, they are equal. Okay? And, uh, and you shall give him his wages on the same day, before the sun sets. And then there's a little, little bracket. So it's very interesting that um, that's put in there. Okay. Uh, for he is poor and counts on it. Um, I wonder if in the, the Megila that that is an in, in, uh, indention. I'll have to have a, a check. I didn't check that, I'm sorry. But sometimes um, you find scrolls where actually words are written on a different line um, and then they're, they're often included in brackets or in parentheses or some sort of marking to sort of say, well, this actually not, might, might not be the, in the original. This actually might be a comment somebody later. Right has sort of
0: thrown
1: (laughs) Right. okay? Um, And that happens, okay? We have to admit that. Um, But it is interesting uh, because he is poor and he counts on it. Lest he cry against the Lord and uh, you be guilty of sin. Now, that's interesting. So let's unpack that for a little bit. How do you get guilty of sin? (laughs) What do you think? Or well, one version would be get caught, okay? You know, if the guy didn't cry out and you happened to rip him off and, you know, you, and he didn't uh, appeal to the Lord, the Lord's not going to pay attention, okay? That's one way of reading it. But there's, there's some other ways of reading it too, you know? Well, another way, what would be another way of reading it? What's a very powerful way of, of reading this? What's the power? Hard. Sorry? Intent of the heart. Okay, intention of the heart. Yeah, that's a good one. I always like intention of the heart. What's the power that the poor man has? The oppressed worker has? What's his power?
4: The he has a a defense thing God. God is going to God is going to take his case up. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean,
1: that that's very powerful. It's like okay, you're (laughs) poor and oppressed, and I'm taking you down. And then he goes, well okay, um, I'm going to go in my corner and, and pray.
0: <laughs> See you later,
1: dude.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: you, you won't like it if the, if the Lord of the universe comes to uh, make amends here. So it's, it's actually a very powerful little position. It's like, uh, don't you oppress your brother here because he'll talk to the big guy, and yeah. the big guy will start paying attention to you, and you won't like that. And uh, so no you reason. want him. Friends in
2: high places. Yeah, I've got friends in very high places. <laughs> you want the
1: righteousness before the Lord. You want the blessing. That's so actually a very powerful little verse. And, um, okay, it's a little bit of a warning, but it is a warning. And uh, is that God sees. And all throughout the texts, we've watched and, and read and seen that God sees. He is oh, well, he the God who sees. And, uh, and he hears. He hears the cries uh, of his people, and he hears the cries also of the non-Israelite. Okay. Amen. He's the a right to hears all the cases that come to him. Yes, he's hearing all of the injustice. So in the book of Genesis, okay, we just finished the, the reading Genesis. We're now into uh, Shemot, uh in the book of Exodus. But in the book of Genesis, um, who, which non Israelite cries out and uh, is heard. Hagar. Yeah. Right. You know, God says, "I heard." Right, and I'm acting, and not only that, I'm bringing blessing. And what ends up happening to Ishmael? Twelve princes. Okay.
4: Does good. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Aaron. Aaron, that's that's um, story is very interesting because. um, when the angel comes to Hagar, he says, God, I've heard the cry of the baby. <laughs> not that's right. you.
0: Yeah, yeah Say right.
4: yeah. <laughs> so God, i heard the cry of the baby and not the cry of Hagar. So it's... Yeah, right. yeah. It's I'm a- sorry. A- Were you talking, Hagar? I'm sorry, man. My- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get over the-, the screaming
1: kid. I had to come down and do something.
2: Maybe just a volume thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. um, But it is... Yeah, so God hears and it's great. And uh, so God hears both the... The, the poor brother and the sojourner, and the, and that sort of theology carries all the way through to the very gates of the temple, when King Solomon is inaugurating the temple in the Book of Chronicles, uh, he has this nice long speech. One of the things he says he says, when the stranger comes here to pray, please Lord, make sure you hear his yeah. prayer, which is a uh, which sets up those those sort of uh, lines in the prophets. Let's say that my house of prayer should be a, a house of prayer, prayer for all pray nations, for all, all people, because all people, I hear them all, okay? And, and that happens again here. Uh, and so, brothers and sisters, how should we behave? We should behave like God is watching. We should behave like God is listening because he doesn't only just listen to us, but he listens to the people we are dealing with. And so um, may they give God a good report, of our love and our blessing and our charity. Okay. All right. So here's that interesting verse. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. Now, I noticed that our brother Mordecai uh, is here. And uh, this was one of the questions that came from him and his uh, yeshiva buddies in uh, Beit Chabad, um, where because it's a it's a standard uh, argument in the Jewish Christian dialogue that says Jesus can't die for the sins of the world because it is written everybody <coughs> dies for their own sins. And you're like, mm. oh, okay, interesting. So, all right, guys, it's one of those. Uh, uh, verses let's have at it what do you think what do you think
4: guys yeah it it became a, it became a norm and everybody kind of accepted it because you see later on the prophet jeremiah and also prophet ezekiel talks about it it says no longer shall shall you say this that the fathers have eaten salt grape and the children's are on the edge um, you know, because it's like over the years people have accepted it, uh, yeah, that the fathers um, will will commit sin, and somebody else will have to pay for it, <laughs> but now, you can see many places the the prophet tried to tell them that okay, now it 's going to change we 're not going to have those proverb anymore mm-hmm.
2: yeah I think in that situation um that you know you've got the impending in- <clears throat> invasion of the Babylonians and Jeremiah talks about it's the sins of the fathers for generations that has built up and caused yeah. this disaster. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you can also say that the people actually living at the time were not guilt-free either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: You know, it's kind of interesting because it was after Eve ate of the fruit that they were cursed when, when um, I mean, when excuse me, when, when Adam ate of the fruit Nothing was said when Eve, when Eve had taken of the fruit, the, the curse came after she had given it to him. Okay. So that's something very interesting.
1: All right. So, um, okay. So you're saying there's a joint sin there or Adam takes responsibility and Eve gets off? or How, how does that work?
0: Well, I'm not sure, but it's, you know, the responsibility of being the, uh, you know, the priestly figure in the home is a very, very important figure. Okay. All right. The so responsibilities. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, passing on the, the word.
1: Okay. So, um, I think was it uh, Shimshon, you brought in Exodus, where the iniquity of the sin of the fathers goes for four generations? Is that the one y- you...
4: Yeah, yeah. I brought the, that one, then... Now we see also in Jeremiah thirty-one verse yeah. um, twenty-nine where Jeremiah is saying that in those days it will no longer be said the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the um, children's teeth uh, are on the edge um, verse thirty say instead each will die for his own iniquity you know? right <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and so there and had been himself. a movement away from that he brought it back interesting mm-hmm.
5: okay yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And something very interesting as well, in, in terms of, for example, even the age, you know, like um, when uh, Absalom had, had, had died, you know, d- uh, David was just uh, flabbergasted and he knew that he wouldn't see him again. And, uh, and then when he lost the baby with Beth- Beth- Bathsheba, uh, he knew he would see the child again. There's an age also, this idea of the age not only like taking the iniquities but also in terms of like the age of iniquity yeah
1: when when does someone become responsible
0: right and you have the bar mitzvah and you know being the son of the law yeah it's it's just it's Mm -hmm. a very complex
1: it is it is very complicated Can Um, can i
6: just add a thought Phrasing of the question that is the problem say that again it's the phrasing of the question that becomes the problem because uh You still have sacrifices for sin for each individual at the temple. Yeah. And so Yeshua is the lamb of God. He is the lamb of a new covenant for all of the world. And so they're trying to focus on that. A human being can't be responsible for another sin. But yet they'll let an animal, the blood covering of an animal, do it. Sure. And So so you've got to also think about the covenants themselves. (laughs) And yep. which covenantal relationship are you involved in? And this is why Jeremiah speaks of a Brit Hadashah, a new covenant. And the only way that you can have a, a Brit, a covenant with God, is if there is a blood covering. Yep. You have to sanctify. You have to ratify that covenant. And this is the purpose of Yeshua. It's not just, I know that Christians don't understand this. <laughs> they took one one portion Of the Brit Hadashah Which is the forgiveness of sin And for I'll forget your inequity But that's the fourth part Of the new covenant There are four parts to it It's called the house of Israel For yep. this covenant I will make with the house of Israel And There's the law and the heart Your entire soul And I will write it on your heart yep. And we don't mm-hmm. meet each other Well we do but if you want to know the answer You have to ask the Holy Spirit and the fourth part will be, I will forget your inequities and forgive your sin. Now that covenant has to be covered in blood, and the only option we have is going to be Yeshua. We have no other options throughout the past <coughs> two thousand five hundred years for this option to be there. Preacher buddy, yeah,
0: right, because because a sinful human being can't pay for another sinful human being, but a perfect being, a God man, can pay for. Well,
1: that that we we keep we're saying all these things, and I agree with you. But I know you the, the text doesn't say that, does it? So uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah Aaron, I would
2: But that was in oranges,
6: right? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking Aaron, about I was
0: thinking, things here. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, Aaron. It is interesting that this is said way back here in Deuteronomy, because it it's like it comes to pass in the New Covenant and later on but that Moses is already setting the stage for the individual being accountable before God, where, right. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't it been more in Judaism? And Wasn't it like the whole family would suffer if the father did a certain thing, or even the whole nation would, would bear the consequences of the actions of the, leaders of the nations. You know what I mean? Everybody went into exile. It wasn't just the guilty ones. And, and so this is kind of setting uh, the, the course really for a future time. It's kind of interesting that it's here in Deuteronomy. It you is. Know? It's
1: the, it's, Moses <laughs> is doing it. This is The people of Israel are going into the land. There's going to be part of their yeah. society, um, mm-hmm. one would hope. Uh, We we unfortunately read that they succeed while they've got Joshua and then they go bad as soon as he disappears. Um, uh, The only other time that they swing up again is actually under the reign of King Solomon. The only other time where it actually describes that they're all doing the Torah and they're all doing exceptionally well was uh, under the reign of Solomon. And we all know how that ended up. Hmm. Uh, which is very interesting. But so, Neville, what were you going to so, say, Aaron? About?
6: Aaron, if you want to get to what the text says, the text says that the father is not responsible for the sons. Right. Okay, fine. But you're going to. Yeah. But if if we're talking to a Chabad student, and you're going to say, okay, the father not responsible. Well, how then can an animal be as responsible or a covering of the sin? <laughs> Again, oh, it's mean? the phrasing of the question. We're talking question. apples yeah. and oranges here. Yeah. Right. That text deals strictly with a father is not responsible for his son. Right. But there are, are other options yeah. where we can have a blood covering for the sins. Correct. Besides yeah. the direct lineage of the father. So yeah. you have to remove the question from the thought process um, yeah. in that direction. Don't let them take you off on this rabbit trail. <laughs> that, 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 this is this is this is
1: Roddy, who who is a trial lawyer, okay, <laughs> and he's, and he, and, it, and it's shining through right now. Yeah, look, that's very it's very correct, Roddy. Got it's there's a lot more there than just that question. However, it it leads into a lots of questions, which is which is why we're having this discussion. Neville, go for now, it.
2: The the point I want to do just to clarify is that in the Exodus chapter. three uh 34 verse 6 you know that god reveals his name and that the sins of the fathers um, will be visited on their children to the third and fourth generation okay. what i find most interesting is when you look at what happened with david and it's already mentioned with his sin with bathsheba and the killing of uriah mm. the hittite that david you know he was on the ground w- praying that this child wouldn't die but it died but he repented and it's such a thoroughgoing repentance he wrote psalm 51 and it's delivered millions of people into yeah. the presence of god for out of sin but there were consequences at, which happened with his um son's misbehaving with the con- with, with his concubines Correct. you know th- there are consequences of sin even if the sin is forgiven yeah. so i think that the this thing about the sins of the fathers being visited on is not um, as straightforward as th- the children will die for the fathers. No, there are consequences of actions which go down the generations. And for mm-hmm. me, this is a self-evident fact in sociology. Yeah. You have a dysfunctional family and uh, the results will pop up in the succeeding generations. I mean, not get guaranteed and people can people can just live against that spirit but some will succumb you know you have a drunk father and an abusive family and it will that you will reap that down the generations unless it's cut off that's what i think that the um the exodus 34 passages are talking about whether this is actually just straightforward uh, guilt for charitable punishments will not, will not be transferable you know mm. the, the, these are these are talking about different things
1: yeah yeah, which is uh, also Roddy's point as well. There is, and and I think all of that is uh, is an excellent discussion. And I hope that when I try and make some notes, I can um, bring the it, it, it to what to its proper uh, conclusion for our um, for the podcast. I know it's
3: gonna. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That... Go for it. Okay, so yeah, going with that, I think in Deuteronomy, you're talking about yeah the. Uh, a civil court decision and yeah. not always a national atonement. And I look at like Isaiah, he doesn't seem to have a problem with this because in Isaiah 42, 6, it says about the servant, I will give you as a covenant for the people.
1: Yeah.
3: And then 53, 10, um, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, for he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. And I don't think Isaiah was ignorant of the Torah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So uh, no, did- absolutely not. Yeah, so he doesn't see that okay. problem yep. with it. Excellent. No, another good way that you described it. Here we have a civil court decision versus a, a national decision, but also in relation to sin, Roddy's Kate point is very valid. What are we talking about? Apples and oranges, because you also have the opportunity for sacrifices and uh, sacrifices for nations in some festivals. Sacrifices for individuals, sacrifices, uh, all those kinds of things. And sacrifices are great if you have a temple. What happens if you don't have one? And, you know, that sort of discussions are not, doesn't seem to plague our hero Daniel, right? Who, after being taken into captivity, has no opportunity to uh, make a sacrifice, and yet maintains his faith and prays regularly and is visited by angels and has prophecies of the future. And no angel comes along and says, uh, Daniel, you're a really, really nice guy, um, but you're doomed. Uh, uh, The fires of hell are getting really hot because you've got no temple. Um, And the same with Paul when he goes to the synagogues in Athens. One of the things he never actually discusses with them, he doesn't walk into a synagogue and say, guys, what are you all doing about your sin? You've obviously got no temple and you can't make sacrifices. You're all doomed. Instead, what he does is he actually sits down and goes, let's have a Bible study because I'm going to prove to you from the scriptures who I know who the Messiah is.
6: And, uh, and uh, uh, Aaron, yeah? what will happen if you're having this discussion? They're going to go, well, look at the timing. We don't have Jeremiah. We don't have Isaiah. We still have... Uh, we don't even have a temple yet
2: You're right.
6: walking around the Mishkan. Yep. Right? <laughs> so you, I think that, that ultimately Neville is correct. This verse is going to negate the previous verse where the, the fathers were responsible for the sons of their family. And, and Neville hit it. Up. I think that's the best argument out of all of them. This is to negate the previous statements what, Stop it. He? at that point in time. <laughs> then we move into all of our other, uh, new covenant stuff.
1: So. Well, I wouldn't say it ne- negates it, <laughs> per se, because consequences f- still remain. It still yeah. remains, yeah. yeah. Just, just any, any, any parent who has a child knows that you continue to love them and, and nurture them and provide for them, even when they do bad, but there is still a, a punishment for the bad deed.
6: And actually, even today in yeah. civil law, even in the U.S., you can mm-hmm. hold a family ultimately responsible if they're under a certain age, the family will be responsible. Liable. Mm-hmm. Civilly but, responsible. Yes, civilly case, liable. Not not yeah, for, in, exactly. In, for, monetarily responsible. Monetarily Monetary responsibility.
4: Go Shimshon? Yes, um, just such like you mentioned, um, it's a progression because if we look at um, what it says in Exodus thirty-four. And um, from verse seven, it says, "Extending kindness, loving kindness to a thousand generations, and forgiving iniquity." So God has a a, a place for forgiveness, and you know. But it says, "Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin; yet does not remit all punishment, but visits the iniquity of the parents upon the children, and the children's children upon the third and the fourth generation." So it's either one or the other. If you if you if you get to God's kindness and mercy then you don't get into the the, the visiting of the iniquities of the judgment upon the third and the fourth generation. You see the same thing in Leviticus 26. In Leviticus 26, God is telling them that when they are taken out of the land and they begin to suffer and they confess the sins of their fathers and their sins, then he will remember the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel and visit them. So you can see that once people, um, you know, employ God for his mercy, yeah. Then God shows them mercy but as long as they have not employed God for his mercy then the judgment is still there. Remains. Remember remember when um, Nehemiah was going to pray in Nehemiah chapter 2 Nehemiah says Nehemiah began to pray for the sins of the fathers. He says for the sins of our fathers who Lord we have have mercy on us. He wasn't praying for his own sin. He wasn't saying that we have sinned I have sinned he said we have sinned we have sinned. So was praying for the sins of the father while they are in exile. The same thing with Daniel. Daniel began to pray for the sins of the fathers. That, oh, God have mercy upon us for the sins of our fathers. And in the
1: Lord's prayer,
4: forgive who his sins? Us. Forgive us our sins. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Definitely definitely a corporate uh, thing there. Yeah, because now the, the next generation begin to take responsibility and they begin to use the word us. And they feel part of it, you know, and been sincerely, you know, um, asking God for mercy. So it's, uh, it's, it's a progression. That's the way I see it. If yep. we grow in the kindness, then God is going to show us mercy. But if yep. not, judgment is still there.
1: Yep. And the last thing I'm going to add on this uh, issue before we start talking about uh, sojourners, widows, and, uh, and orphans. Um, in the Second Temple period, which is the basis for a lot of the theology that's in the New Testament. The discussions, the, everything we're doing, they did 2,000 years ago and, and, and a little bit more, um, And uh, is the Maccabees. Now, we've, we had Hanukkah. We read parts of Hanukkah uh, from the Maccabees, and, um, and in the Maccabees, particularly in 2nd Maccabees and 4th Maccabees, they have characters, the, the mother and her seven sons, uh, die, and their martyrdom, their deaths, um, expunge the sins of, of Israel, the land. And so you have other people dying for other people's sins. And, um, and so that theology was already creeping up because they've already got it in, um, in, in the idea of a sacrifice. An animal could take your sins, And how much more than a human, not that they were doing human sacrifice, but a willing uh, 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 martyrdom for Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of the name, didn't just sanctify the name, but also absolved uh, many peoples. Um, uh, In Maccabees, it's mainly the land. And so in the New Testament, it was the next jump. It was actually for the sins of the whole world. And um, and so that that theology and that thinking was already there. So everything that we've been challenging, everything that we've been wrestling with that was already coalescing into the moment when the Messiah would be ready and it could all coalesce together, Lamb of God, blood sacrifice, blood covenant, forgiveness of, uh, of the entire world, perfect human, all of those things all wrapped together in the person of Jesus of Nazareth.
4: Um, yes, Aaron, just sorry something. once we, we have this when they wanted to crucify Yeshua they said um, somebody has to die for the old nation and so they presented Shrek. Barabbas instead of Yeshua so they yep. wanted Barabbas to be freed and Yeshua to die for the rest of the nation so yes that <laughs> theology was well developed was in well the there. time of Yeshua Yep, yep. Y- Yvonne?
0: And, yeah I was going to say something that you know th- what Neville had said you know the the the, the um, the deeds of the fathers are signs to the son. that 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 Hebrew expression. How yeah. you know Abraham goes down to Egypt, then his son goes down to Gerar. It's just you know an alcoholic father and an alcoholic son. It's just, yeah. and uh, I mean God is you know hessed and 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 he's so much you know, mercy, but there the repentance, but the consequences. You know David stole. <laughs> Uriah's mm-hmm. wife, he, he paid four times, four of his children died. So yeah. it, it it's just, uh, it's interesting how it, it really, the deeds of the fathers, how, how important that is, and, and it serves as a mm-hmm. sign to the sons.
4: Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I just okay. I one
2: final thought to close this. Yeah. What you were saying about mm-hmm. how could Daniel be so confident that his prayer will be heard? Well, he has some authority from David in Psalm 141, verse 2, and it says this. May my prayer be counted before you as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yep. you know, people like Daniel would have had every confidence that there was nothing out of bounds for him to pray for, even though he was without a temple and without a priesthood. Yep.
5: Indeed.
0: It's
1: all, okay. teshuva, right? <laughs> mm, yep. it's all about teshuvah, right? Repentance. Repentance. Yep. Okay, so uh, now we go into uh, justice. You shall not pervert the justice that is due to a sojourner, or to the fatherless, or take a widow's garment in a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore. I command you to do this. Okay, so there's quite a lot of issues there. But um, uh, Moses singles out uh, particular groups of people within the community that might become victims of a perverted justice system. And um, uh, so, what would these, what does the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow have in common? No one to stand up for them.
2: Right. So
1: who would be standing up for them normally in a court?
2: Well, normally the, the father would represent his wife or his children. Yep. Then and the the maybe is, yeah.
1: yep. And so because they have no defense per se in court, um, then they might be taken advantage of. And Moses doesn't want this. God doesn't want this. And, uh, and it's very interesting, again, um, you know, not that you want to disparage our our, our the country that we live in too much, but um, it does have a problem with um, the persecution of minorities still, which is um, against the Torah, and uh, and and so um, it's not good.
2: Yeah. And we have the phrase that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And this is putting our mark on the ground that the poor should not get poorer by by easy abuse of them. Right. People who are who are disadvantaged by circumstances, widows, orphans or people, you know, wandering and, you know, adrift. Yep. These these people should not be exploited just because of their their easy targets and. Uh, you know they don't have any defense or they any don't. significant defense the lord takes their case yes
1: and here uh, we don't get the that the lord hears although we can assume from the previous verses that he does uh, instead uh, moses gives them a memory lesson again appealing once again to the sacred history of the jewish people so remember that you're slaves You know, you did not spontaneously generate from out of the rock in the land of Israel. You can always say we were always here. You were not. Um, uh, You were slaves in Egypt, and you were redeemed by the Lord your God from there, not from here, but from there. And because of this, uh, I send a command. Um, Just just before uh, uh, we did this Bible study, Mordecai gave me a call and would like to say a few words about uh, this, this discussion. Why does it always say through the text that God says, remember you were a slave, remember that you were redeemed from Egypt? Uh, Moti, Mordecai, you there, buddy?
5: Yes, I am. You hear me?
1: Uh, we can hear you, bro. So would you like to make a comment on, um, on the portion, yeah?
5: Yeah. So I actually asked this question to my rabbi. Um, I asked him, like, why does God keep telling or keep recalling that he redeemed us from Egypt? So he's actually saying that he's, like, challenging us, you know. He says, I give you these commandments, and let me see if you obey or not, because in obeying these commandments, sometimes it might cause you Financial losses. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. All these commandments about loan, about this like taking widows' garments, about taking all this stuff, all financial stuff. So God is Speci- re- especially reminding. in the
0: Shemitah, especially in the Shemitah year, right? There's even more loss.
5: Yeah. She- so he's he's not being egoist, <laughs> you know. Like he's not always telling, ah, oh, you know, uh, I redeemed you guys. But he's just trying to challenge us if we still obey in his commandments, even though we'll sometimes lose something financially.
1: Okay. <laughs> So how does that? So obeying the law might bring a financial loss. That is true. So how does that reflect then when God says, "But you were slaves. Like remember, you were slaves. Remember, you were slaves." What does that mean? What's the connection?
5: Well, it's a general connection because God wants us to remember where we come from. Okay, that's the connection.
1: Yeah. Okay. uh, Okay. So you might be you might get a financial loss, but let's just remember. You yeah. were once slaves and had nothing. So is that, yeah. that the sort of measure that he's saying? Is that what you mean? Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. All right. And that's what your rabbis were, were discussing or thought about this this part. Yeah. Of the text. Okay. Excellent, guys. Anybody else? Why would God keep bringing back sacred history?
2: Well, for them yeah. to remember that is actually they didn't deserve to be rescued as uh, from slavery in Egypt. Okay. but it was um you know they hadn't done anything to merit it I mean God was acting on behalf of his covenant with Abraham that's true but these people it, that's the it was a an initiative of, uh, of God to step in and show his power against the gods of Egypt and redeem his people and then make them uh, and then introduce them to his character at Mount Sinai mm-hmm. so they they were they were downtrodden, they were without power, you know, with all representation and without hope. And by grace, they were saved out of that.
1: That's
0: all right.
1: Yvonne?
0: In- yeah. I was going to say, that, you know, that you're. they were going from one, ser- from one servitude to another because, uh, you know, they were. Like uh, Neville said, we you know s- we're, they were enslaved by God's grace. Uh, he, they, he, you know, they, they were, they were. He, that's why they asked, like, we want to go. Uh, Moses had asked, you know, to Pharaoh, we, we want to go and leave and, and celebrate a festival. You want to serve. So, we have been freed from the bondage of slavery of Pharaoh, and then through freedom, we have been given that freedom to be a, a bondage to, to to God. So yeah. we're going from one servitude to another. Sure. One is, is, you know, it's shackles and it's horrible to the other one is, 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 mercy and grace. So it's just, it's just a shifting. We're still servants, but to, to who is our allegiance is okay. to, you know, to the God most high or, you know, to, to the world's system, to Pharaoh. So it's interesting. We still are, have a bondage, but it's, it's a, a beautiful bondage.
4: Okay.
1: Somehow. Yep. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, because you see, when God says, Remember, you were a slave, and you connect it to the, to the verse before, you see that um, your rights were subverted and it was not good. You didn't like it. Your rights were taken away, and uh, because you didn't have anybody, you were like strangers in the land, and um, you didn't have a father. Remember, when Pharaoh came that did not know Joseph? I mean, they didn't, they didn't yeah. have a father, they didn't have any representation. And so, they should remember that they didn't have it good there, and since they didn't like it, they shouldn't do it to other people. That comes yeah. their way.
1: Yeah, yeah. That um, that was, that's an interesting... in today, in this week's parasha and shmot. It says that uh, a pharaoh arose that didn't a king a new king arose that didn't know mm. didn't know Joseph. Um, with, there's a there's a many different midrashim about. That, and uh, I I thought that there was an interesting. You know how the midrash they always go in the most bizarrest places, (laughs) looking for just looking for every little nugget that they can get out of the Bible. And and the one of the one that actually made me laugh when I read it this morning was um, uh, that uh, a new king arose that didn't know Joseph because it was Joseph. <laughs> like what, what, what that, what the midrash is saying is that Joseph got lost in Egypt, and uh, that's why you know he he when his brothers came to him they said they thought he was Pharaoh because you're just like Pharaoh, Komo mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you look like him, you talk like him, you act like him, you are him, and mm-hmm. you know you've forgotten forgotten where you came from and. Mm-hmm. And Joseph, you know, as, as as well as you know being united with his brothers, he's also reunited with his family and his, his heritage again. It's a different way of taking the text. It's not. It's yeah. not. It's just one way. It's a very interesting way. So they, the I really appreciate uh, Jewish exegesis where you keep digging, digging, and digging, looking for every yeah. little bit. Yes, we've we there's uh, we were slaves. We were uh, we were servants. We were sojourners in a strange land that was not our own. We had no one to defend us. So therefore, how dare we turn around and do the same thing that Egyptians had done to us? Because in, in that way, we will have become like Pharaoh. We will have forgotten our identity and replaced our identity with, with theirs. And, and we won't even be able to recognize ourselves. And so uh, sacred history is there uh, to lead us to compassion to lead us to kind dealings with our neighbors and the sojourners and the strangers and the widows and the orphans. And so this constant reference by God, remember, remember, remember. And, uh, and in doing so, it'll change your behavior or one would hope. And uh, so it's all there. And uh, yeah.
5: Also, um, so God redeemed us, right? The Jews. So they were free from slavery. So they were like free men. Yep. Um, so why do you need to go back and be slave of financial, you know, things, like money or other things? Maybe he also tries to say that, like, always stay free. Don't be slave of anything. Just be my servant and do what is right, and that's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, on, and uh, in the even though we are free, we are still slaves to God, or as, as yeah, Paul sure. it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. But, um, yes, the ability, if you are a slave to the risen Lord, then we should be free from financial strain and uh, worry about finances. Too many of us, unfortunately, are not. No. Um, but, yeah, try and be free from that. So speaking of financial freedom... The, again, Moses brings in, and he's done it before, and he'll do it again uh, before this text is out. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, don't go back; leave it for. And then he lists those guys again: sojourner, fatherless, widow. Okay, um, a lot of this uh, reads well in Hebrew when because it's very repetitive. It's very; it's an easy listening little portion. Um, and that the Lord may God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Okay? So there's a blessing that comes. How do do you get the blessing? By not forgetting the sojourner, the widow, and the orphan, right? um, uh, When you beat your olive trees, don't go over it again. Leave it for sojourner, fatherless, and widow. Same with the grapes. In any part of our economy, Again, remembering we were slaves in the land of Egypt, and therefore I command you this today. So once again, God brings in the sacred history of the Jewish people, which culminates, um, you know, what is the uh, end result of the Exodus, right? It's uh, uh, Exodus 15, 18, where it says the Lord reigns forever and ever. Right? That's the first time that you ever have a kingly phrase put to God. God becomes king at the Exodus. And uh, so you go from slavery into the kingdom of heaven. But inside this redemption uh, is the desire and compassion of the Lord for God not just to act towards Israel, but that Israel should act towards the weak, uh, including the nations around, in the same way that God did, which is... Compassion for the sojourner, compassion for those that can't defend themselves, but compassion for the weak. And it actually involves a blessing. And as we mentioned before, we take, we take little stock in blessings, but we really should. We should uh, encourage um, the, the, the blessings back into our communities that we actually ask for um, and, and desire Blessings from our parents, blessings from our elders, blessings from each other, husbands and wives, um, because it's powerful. And uh, this one, the blessing comes with actually uh, doing something physically. You now, Isn't that interesting? Not only does it, does it get a spiritual blessing, a blessing via a prayer, but um, this one actually is a blessing from an action. Right? It is a, and, um, and And it's not necessarily an action that is done, it's an action that's not done. Isn't that interesting, okay? So you do your job, you harvest your field, but you do not go back over it. You deliberately leave it. Um, uh, You don't go pick anything up. Um, You let the other guys come and do it. So there's even a sense of dignity for them that they will be part of working the field. They got to go in and glean. You don't hand them a free bucket of grapes. You give them an empty bucket. They go pick up the grapes. And uh, um, so there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's that little bit is involved. But it's in the, this action of a, of a command is a command you don't do. Isn't that interesting? Or command involving not doing something, which gives you a blessing. So there's even some, some of that that's in there as well.
5: Can you share something? Go for it, Moti. Um, as you said, it's also about charity. Uh, it was a topic in the yeshiva. Uh, my rabbi told me, if a person loses a coin, you know, and a poor person picks it up, God rewards the person who lost the coin. So think, how much more So will God bless us for acts of charity and kindness? Right. It's yeah, all about uh, this. It's the same thing. It's, it's like, leave it for orphans and widow, in order that Hashem bless you in all that you do, even yeah, in yeah. all that you don't. Do. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. God
1: blesses is everything you do and everything you don't do, <laughs> but but also isn't that interesting in the, in, in the, like in our liturgies for those that have uh, pray liturgical prayers. Um, one of the things I, I value is the um, the the prayer for confession. You know, we always have a public confession before the Lord, and the confession is, you know, forgive me for the the thing, the evil that I've done, and the good I didn't do. <laughs> you know, I always, always, I for me, it's always uh, one of those things. Is there's probably more good that I didn't do than the evil that I did do. You know, there's that, that the the sin of inaction. The the yes. the the I had the ability to help, but I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Why didn't I do that? And so sometimes I find, yeah, maybe you lost the coin because you you kind of needed to. Um, But yeah, even if you did, and and that God can even bless uh, a thing that you did. He does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. Okay. Excellent. All right, guys. So we are next week going to start Deuteronomy twenty-five.
0: Thank you for listening.